Welcome to When One Thing Leads to Another, a podcast that takes you freewheeling down the great internet rabbit hole of trivia. Each week we pick a starting point and then who knows where all the twists, turns and tangents will take us. But we'll be sure to unearth a treasure trove of frivolous facts that will be as fascinating as they are, well, useless. When One Thing Leads to Another is produced and presented by us, Helen and Bill Rich. Our theme music is by Justin Mitchell. This is Series 2, Episode 9, Suzanne. Right, well, I went up to that there, London. You did? Last week. I went to the Tate Modern. You did? To catch the Cezanne exhibition. Yeah. Did you like it? I did like it. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, when you're seeing really iconic paintings, it's quite thrilling. Yeah. And so I thought I would start this week's episode with Cezanne. Now, Cezanne is often called the father of modern painting. They don't know if it was Picasso or Matisse that said of him, Cezanne is the father of us all. So he was really highly rated by his peers. And a lot of his paintings were owned by those painters. So, for example, Claude Monet, he owned 15 paintings by Cezanne. And Renoir, Degas, Pissarro, Picasso, Matisse, Manet, they all owned paintings by Cezanne. And Paul Gauguin loved his painting by Suzanne so much he used to take it down to his favourite restaurant and uh, show his painting off a bit. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like to think that he he put it up opposite him and then would sort of maybe have a date with his painting or something. Yeah. So amongst other painters, Suzanne is hugely rated. However, Mm. not so much according to the Paris Salon. Do you know the Paris Salon? No. The Paris Salon was the big annual exhibition held between 1748 and 1890. It was the place to get your paintings right. exhibited at. Right. Um, and that way you may well be noticed and then your career could could take off okay. or whatever like that. Now, poor old Paul Cezanne, yeah. he submitted paintings to the Paris Salon for consideration every year for mm. 18 years. Um, and they weren't having any of it. But they got rejected every single time except for one painting. Right. Um, and that painting was called The Artist's Father Reading Le Venement. And doing a bit of digging on that particular painting, I found out that, sure enough, it's a picture of his dad reading a paper, but it was a paper that he wouldn't ordinarily read. And the reason why he's reading that mm. is because it's the newspaper that Cezanne's pal, Emile Zola, oh, yeah. wrote for. And Cezanne and Zola were pals, and they went to school together. And one day, poor old Emile Zola was getting a bit of grief from some rowdies. The school bullies. The school bullies. Good old Paul Cezanne stepped in, sorted out the situation. And as a means of thank you, Mm. old Zola presented his mate Cezanne with a basket of apples and of course Cezanne paints a lot of apples right okay is that his shtick loved apples did our Cezanne oh Oh, yeah he did and supposedly this may have been inspired by him receiving this basket of apples from his old mate uh, Zola and Cezanne himself highly rated his own abilities in painting apples yeah because once he announced with an apple I will astonish Paris (laughs) (laughs) and then the Paris salon went nah nah Well, I've picked some interesting facts about apples, if I may. Oh, yeah, well, that's a good idea. Yeah. Apples, did you know, are part of the rose family? 
No, I don't think I was yeah. previously well, in uh, the no. knowledge of that. No, I wasn't either. Um, and there are between seven and a half and eight thousand different varieties of apple in the world. Good grief. Yeah, so if you ate a different apple every day, oh yeah, go on. it would take you over 20 years to eat every variety. What's your favourite apple? I am a jazz apple fan. Top shelf apple. Top shelf apple. You know the apple bobbing game that you used to play at Halloween? Yes. Yeah, the apple... No one plays that anymore. Well, I don't know, do they? We don't really go to many Halloween parties that's full true. of kids. Yeah, they no, probably do. Oh, maybe they still do. Yeah, yeah, okay. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Let's break out the apples next Halloween. <laughs> do you, are the apples float, you know, because they're 25% air. <laughs> <laughs> and they contain malic acid. Oh, which yeah. is used in teeth whitening products. Okay, hence the a doctor. Uh, no, what's it? A, a, an, an apple a day, a day keeps the, keeps oh, the doctor away. Is it the doctor or the dentist away? An apple a day keeps the doctor away. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we need to eat more apples. We get nice white teeth. And I bet you didn't know that the biggest apple eaters in the UK are women in Norfolk between the ages of 24 and 34, averaging one a day. <laughs> <laughs> Where the hell did you find that? <laughs> Healthy, those uh, Norfolk women. Yeah. Yeah. And there have been a lot of notable apples over the years. And I found a top 10 most famous apples <laughs> in history on the internet, which amused me. Is there also a top 10 bananas in history? I bet there isn't. Unfortunately, no, there isn't. No. The most famous apple in history? Oh, well, it will be the Garden of Eden apple. Uh, yes, the one that caused all the bother in the, in the Garden of Eden, yeah. which, of course, is never explicitly called an apple. It's just fruit. Fruit, is it? Um, yeah. And Isaac Newton's apple is number two. Great apple. It didn't actually land on his head, though, as is commonly believed. Right. He noticed an apple falling from a tree yeah. in the grounds of his childhood home uh, well, at Woolsthorpe Manor in Lincolnshire, which is where we went we, a few years ago, didn't we? We. I couldn't believe the tree is still there. Still there. We saw the tree. Another famous apple is the one used as a logo for Apple computers. Oh, of course, yes. Which has a link to Sir Isaac Newton. Okay. Um, Ronald Wayne, one of the three co-founders of Apple, designed a logo for the company in 1976 that yeah. featured an apple hanging on a tree over Newton's head. Right. But it was scrapped in favour of the logo that we know today, oh, okay. which is an apple with a bite taken out of it. Yeah, okay. Incidentally, yeah. in the 90s, Ronald Wayne sold the original 1976 Apple partnership contract signed by the three founders, oh, yeah. himself, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, yeah. for $500. Oh. But that's, <laughs> I thought you were going to say $500,000. Yeah, but that same contract was then sold at auction in 2011 oh, go on. for $1.6 million. <gasps> Poor old Ronald regrets oh, selling it when he did, I bet. Oh, dear me. Yeah. Uh, a popular misconception is that the Apple logo was designed to pay homage to Alan Turing, you know, the code breaker. Oh, yes, and the Enigma code guy, yeah, inventor, yeah. yeah. Because when Turing's body was discovered after his apparent suicide, there was an apple with a bite found oh, beside him yeah, okay. and the theory was that he laced the apple with cyanide oh. but, but digging a little bit deeper 
I read that the apple was never tested for cyanide. And there's a theory that Turing died after unknowingly inhaling cyanide fumes oh. from the makeshift laboratory he had in his very small room. Oh, OK. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, Steve Jobs said that he chose Apple as the company name during a time he was on one of his fruitarian diets. <laughs> and he had just visited an apple farm and he said the name Apple sounded fun, spirited and not intimidating. <laughs> now talking to Steve Jobs, did you know this? He was adopted shortly after being born, oh, right? Okay. His mother, a woman called Joanne Schiebler, gave birth to him without his father's knowledge or in, indeed anybody else in the family's knowledge. Oh. Um, his father, a fellow called Abdul Fattah Jandali, Right. was half Syrian and a Muslim, and this caused a rift between Joanne Schiebler and her father, who was Catholic and didn't approve of the relationship. Oh, right. So once she found out she was pregnant, she secretly went to San Francisco and gave birth to Steve Jobs, uh, where he was then adopted. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and his biological sister yeah. is a woman called Mona Simpson. And I found this rather interesting about Mona Simpson. Mm. She's a writer and she wrote a novel in 1986 called Anywhere But Here. Right. And this was made into a film in 1999 starring Susan Sarandon and Natalie Portman. Right. And another interesting thing is that Mona Simpson married a bloke called Richard Appel. A Appel? A-P-P-E-L. -P -P well, I thought this was inter interesting because Appel is obviously an anagram of Apple. Yeah. which is the company that was co-created by Steve Jobs, who's Mona Simpson's yeah. brother. Yeah. And the coincidence doesn't end there because Richard Appel became a comedy writer. Okay. And he wrote some episodes for The Simpsons. Oh, that's funny because I was thinking Mona Simpson sounds like a character from The Simpsons. And indeed she is. She appears as Homer's mother <sighs> in an episode called Mother Simpson. And of course, Richard Appel named her Mona after his wife. Wow. So there's some nice little coincidences yeah. there going on. Yeah. Okay, you mentioned Susan Sarandon was in the film adaptation of Steve Jobs' sister's book. <laughs> yes. And you know she was famously in the cult film, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yes, of course. So I was having a little look at that and discovered that the guy who was drafted in to oversee the makeup designs for the film was right. a bloke called Pierre Laroche. Okay. And it was Laroche who had previously collaborated with David Bowie ah. to create Bowie's alter ego, Ziggy Stardust. Ah, okay. And it was Laroche who designed the iconic lightning bolt makeup that ah. adorns Bowie's face on Aladdin Sane. Aladdin Sane oh, on wow. the album, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. And talking of Aladdin Sane, yeah. um, it's one of the most iconic album covers, I think, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I would say so. It's yeah. right up there with Abbey Road. Yeah. Yeah. Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Velvet Underground, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. The image was taken by a photographer by the name of Brian Duffy. Right. Who I've discovered some interesting facts about. Right. Let's hear them. Duffy worked with Bowie for a few years and photographed two more album covers, yeah. Lodger and Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. Yeah. Okay. But in 1979, Duffy abruptly gave up photography right. and even tried to burn all of his negatives in his what? studio yard and was only stopped when the council intervened after complaints of acrid smoke from neighbours. 
Oh, thank goodness for that. Yeah. Duffy also went on to direct pop videos, among them Spandau Ballet's Gold, wow. ABC's All of My Heart and Human League's Mirror Man. Brian Duffy there was a busy man. He was a busy man. Right, just rewinding back to Susan Sarandon and the fact that she was in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yep. I have been looking into the Rocky Horror Picture Show and yep. have discovered the following things about it. Mm -hmm. Do you know, in 1975 when it was released, it was, a, it was a flop. Oh, right. But it steadily gained a cult mm. following mm. and it actually holds the record for the longest theatrical run of any film. Right. And there's a cinema in Munich called Museum Leitspiel or Lichtspiel. Lichtspiel. And that has played the film every Friday and Saturday night since June 1977. Wow. And I even just checked on the internet there. Mm. Sure enough, it's still running. If you're in Munich this weekend, kids, mm. you can go and see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I thought this was interesting. Richard O'Brien, famously yeah. the, uh, the creator of the Rocky Horror Picture yeah. Show, he started his career in stage and film as a stuntman. Yeah. Check this out. In Carry On cowboy wow yeah how about that yeah apparently he learned how to ride a horse when he was a kid when his family lived on a farm in new zealand oh cool. and so he was ideal for carry on cowboy did yeah. some uh, some horse-based stunt work there and he also has another credit as a stunt performer yeah. on casino royale the first james bond film starring david niven in 1967 wow, i wouldn't have thought he'd be old enough he must have been really young yeah and carrying on with the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Tim Curry, mm. who famously played Frankenfurter. I've never seen the Rocky Horror You've Picture Show. You've never seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Never seen it. I'm surprised and I'm mm. not going to lie. You appalled. Slightly disappointed. <laughs> yes, Tim Curry, yes. he plays Frankenfurter. Yeah. He's absolutely brilliant in that film, yeah. uh, as, as you will he's, learn when you see it. He's brilliant in most things he's in, isn't he? He is. And I found this out, which really surprised me. Perhaps mm -hmm. you already know it. But mm. he has a backing singer credit on a Carly Simon album. Oh, right. Yeah, an album called Spy. And he sings on the opening track called Vengeance. Huh. Something caught my eye on the Wikipedia page for Vengeance. Mm. Yeah, it was the 34th pop video to be shown on MTV in America in 1981 on the opening day, which well, itself that's... is not the most extraordinary fact, no. but it did therefore um, uh, send me down a rabbit hole. Oh, nice. Of the, what, the videos that were played on the MTV on its first day? Day one MTV Ooh, yes. videos. Yeah, okay, yeah. do you know what the first one was? I feel like I know this. Was it Buggles? It was, but the <laughs> Buggles, the Buggles video killed the radio star. Okay. It feels like an obvious choice, but actually it wasn't in America because the song hadn't done anything much at all. Right. The second video was Pat Benatar's You Better Run. Okay. Which made her the first woman on the station. So this is 1981, is it? 1981, right. yeah. And in the first 24 hours, of the 209 videos played, only 116 were unique. So even on day one, they were having to repeat repeat uh, videos. And they had to because they own, their library on day one was only 250-odd videos. Yeah, well, and you burn through those videos. in no time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the first video to be repeated was The Who's, You Better You Bet, and Rod Stewart had a bumper of a day on day one. He had 11 of his videos played in the first 24 hours. Wow. Yeah, 16 appearances. Wow, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, and we, we know that The Buggles was a band formed by 
uh, Trevor music Horn. Trevor Horn exactly the producer bassist and singer mm. uh, Trevor Horn um, and a keyboardist Jeff Downs and songwriter Bruce Woolley mm. um, he also played guitar I think it was and the theremin I read with interest was oh, one of his right. uh, uh, one of his instruments yeah. um, and he by the way Woolley also wrote Grace Jones's Slave to the Rhythm oh a little throwaway fact there for you and Woolley now I didn't know this yeah. he's actually also recorded video called a radio star released it with his band the camera club and oh. in fact a lot of people say it's a better version oh, I've right. never even heard of it no I've never heard of it I've never heard this his didn't do as well no 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 it didn't do anything mm. that's why you never hear it before we finish Yes. Um, I've just got another little interesting fact that I've unearthed about Tim Curry. Oh, yes. Did you know that he, like a lot of people, has coulrophobia? Coulrophobia? You know what that is? No. I'd be very surprised if you did. No. It's a fear of clowns, <laughs> which is obviously ironic yeah. given he played the ultra scary oh, man. Uh, Pennywise in um, yeah. Stephen King's It. It, yeah, he's. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I'm reading here that Curry had a clause in his contract that ensured he would never have to see himself in character during shooting, and producers had mirrors and reflective surfaces removed <laughs> from the set in order not to freak him out if he were to catch a glimpse of himself Good which grief. proved tricky when he was getting his makeup done i was gonna say and another cast member an actress called chaylen simmons has never been able to watch the film owing to her coulrophobia well how about that Thank you for listening to When One Thing Leads to Another, a podcast produced and presented by us, Helen and Bill Rich. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please rate and review us on wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe, and that way you'll never miss an episode. We'd also love to hear from you, especially if we've got any of our information wrong, or you have some more fascinating facts about something we've talked about, or you could even suggest a subject for our starting point. Our email address is when one thing leads to another at gmail.com. A massive thank you to Justin Mitchell for letting us use his music as our theme song. It's a track called Homo Erectus, taken from his fantastical album called The Garden of Earthly Delights, which is available to buy from bandcamp.com. Thanks also to Acast for hosting us. Join us next week for another episode of When One Thing Leads to Another. Please note that all facts have been found on the internet and therefore we cannot vouch for their veracity. Mm -hmm.